Worship. I want to ask you some questions as we uh, as we begin. Are you bored yet? These are rhetorical, so please, you know, keep keep their answer to yourself. And the implication is, but within the next twenty minutes, you will be at some point. I just wonder if you were there yet. Uh, how much do you weigh? I'm just kidding. I, I I tell you a funny story. I didn't plan to tell this, but I told it in the early service. When I was uh, a young pastor, I'm, I'm young now, but younger. And uh, the only dumb mistake I've ever made as a pastor, just made one. Uh, we, it was Mother's Day. And in my first three churches, especially my first two, were pretty small. And so on Mother's Day, we would recognize the oldest mother, youngest mother, mother with the most kids here, mother with the most kids somewhere else. And so in Sunday school, I just made a joke out of it. And I said, and we're going to recognize the heaviest mother this morning. And all the guys just died laughing. And the women, I mean, hell hath no fury like a, a woman uh, thinks you're making fun of their weight. I promise you. So that was uh, that was the weight was a joke. What bowl games Tech going to? That's a good question today, isn't it? I mean, Tech had a great win last night, and we're uh, anticipating where they're going to go. Who's LSU's next coach going to be? Uh, that is the question for the hour. Josh has put his resume in there, and we don't know if that'll happen or not. But uh, it would be a pay raise, wouldn't it, Josh? If you did, I've got uh, a really a serious question for you this morning. And that's this, do you ever wonder if you're going to be okay? I mean, do you ever wonder, uh, man, am I, am I going to be able to make it through this? Am I, am I going to be able to make it through this struggle? Am I going to be able to, uh, to make it through these problems? Or maybe this morning, uh, certainly you wonder this about people you love. Are they going to be okay? Are they going to be able to make it? We're in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And it is such a beautiful, beautiful verse. And this is our last sermon in this uh, God's game plan for your life. This is part of God's game plan for your life. It says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, words are significant. We're going to go back and look at this more in a moment. But when he t- says needs here, he's talking about what's necessary or what's required to make it in life. It, it's what, uh, it, it, is a, it is a necessity of life. Now, here's the, the background. We've I've mentioned this several times, but it's always good to go back. Paul, at this time, is under house arrest at Rome. He's a prisoner. He's not a prisoner like in a dungeon. He's been there before. But this is, this is where he is. Uh, he's chained to a guard 24-7, if you can imagine that. And he's not locked in a cell, but he has very limited freedom and obviously no privacy whatsoever. And he has a ton of needs, too. And he's writing to the church at Philippi. And the church in Philippi is just 10 years old. Christianity is new. And they're being persecuted for their faith. They're, they're undoubtedly, it's a small group of people. Part of the persecution would involve, it would affect your money and your ability to make a living. So these aren't rich people at all. These are people that have some real financial, psychological, relational, emotional needs this morning. What what about you? I want to touch on just a few needs today. And I I know you've got more. uh, And I may not touch on the ones that's most... uh, important to your life right now, but, but these, are, these are where a lot of us are. Maybe it's a financial need. I mentioned some of this last week, but it, th- these are pretty staggering. Did you know in the United States, Louisiana is number 49 in poverty? Uh, we are the 49th poorest state. We, we, uh, uh, the poverty rate in the state of Louisiana is 19%. And I, I mentioned last week with Rustin, and I, this is probably a Lincoln Parish, not a Rustin staff that I mentioned last week, but that 
The, the, the poverty in Lincoln Parish where we live is 31%. I mean, man, that's tough. And, and un, no doubt there's, there's somebody in this room this morning who lives, you, you live a, a life where you don't have much stuff. You don't have much money, and that's tough. That's tough. Here's the, the flip side of it. Maybe you got a lot of money. You just got a ton of debt. You know what I found? I always thought that, that really wealthy people didn't have any financial problems at all. And a lot of times, the truth is, people who have a lot of money, just they, get, they have a lot bigger debt than you and I have. In, in America... And the way they figure this is it's a little complicated. Some people don't have any debt. Those are called weirdos. But, but normal people who owe on a house, a car, credit cards, or whatever, the average American debt, average household in America owes $130,000. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, and especially when, when a lot of people owe a lot more than that. So maybe your pressures are financial. Maybe it's how are you going to pay off college, or how are you going to uh, how are you going to make your bills and, and take care of things or send your kids to college. Maybe it's health issues today. Maybe your, your greatest need is a health concern that you have. WebMD, and this is on the internet, so it just had to be absolutely true. WebMD, and I think this stat is pretty accurate, says that in America, 100 million people, 100 million people suffer from some type of chronic pain or physical problem. Listen to this. 61, almost 62 million people in America in the course of a year will struggle with some kind of emotional or psychological problem. Four 40 million adults, 40 million adults. This excludes children, youth, young people. 40 million adults in America have some type of anxiety problem, some type of anxiety problem. And every single hour that goes by, seven people in our country take their own lives. Man, people have a lot of needs, don't they? A lot of needs. Psychological, emotional. What about some of you are just lonely, and, and you, you don't have to live alone to be lonely. You can have, in fact, you can have a roommate. You can be married. You can have a house full of people and be horribly lonely. Sometimes the worst loneliness is when you're surrounded by people. I thought this stat was pretty, pretty interesting. Consider how connected we are today. You know, we, we check our phones about 50 times. I bet it's more than that a day. We, we, uh, we're, we have internet access, we have Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram, so we're, we're always, we can interact with people, but yet, this year, Americans interviewed, about 45% said, I'm lonely, man, I just don't have anybody in my life that I feel like I connect with. 40 years earlier, 1975, that number was 15%. So all of our interconnectedness, we, uh, we got bigger gaps in our heart now than we did then. What, what's your need today? What, what's your need today? You have some. Again, maybe it's for someone you love, a relationship, whatever. What is your need? Here's some of the greatest news ever. God can meet every one of your needs. Is that not wonderful? God can meet all of your needs. God can meet all of my needs. God can eat. Look at verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now, folks, this says need, not greed. Did you hear that? If you have 40 pairs of shoes and you're praying and you're pleading with God to give you 41, that's more of a greed than a need. Amen? Now, ladies, listen to me. I'm not picking on you. 
My wife is a shoe hunter also. I, I live with that. I understand that. In fact, I had a wonderful lady come to me after church, and she said, Chris, if you got 40 and they're on sale, getting 41 is not agreed at that point. It is a need. So we may differentiate on this. But the word need here means necessity. It's what's required of me. It's what I've got to have to make it and live at peace in my life. God will supply some of your needs. God will supply every need of yours, all your needs. In the totality, if we'll let him, God will supply every need that we have. Now, think about this. This doesn't mean you're not ever going to die because we are going to die. So, well, God's failing us there. No, that's part of the life process. But God says to you and me this morning, throw it down, whatever it is, relational, psychological, financial, you're lonely, physical, whatever it is, God says, I can meet every need in your life. Now, again, don't confuse your greeds with your needs. I I was reading something this week, and it listed the most expensive foods in the world. Josh and I are going to test these out if the church will give us the money and the church credit card. Sacramento, California, there is a place called Capital Dog, and you can get, they they brag that they have the most expensive hot dog in the world. For $145.99, you can get a hot dog. Is that not crazy? Don't you love the 99 cents? Because you're getting a deal. It's not 146. It's it's 145.99. Can you imagine that? There's a place in New York City that sells a Sunday. It's called the Golden Opulence, and they they bring in cocoa beans from Venezuela. And for a thousand dollars, you can have the Golden Opulence. Is that not unreal? I mean, that's that's crazy. And if we come back from a church trip with that on the credit card, we should be fired immediately and have to pay that. Listen, God's not going to give you a $146 hot dog or, or a $1,000 Sunday. When God meets your needs, it may be a cheese coney and a medium blast at Sonic, but that meets the need, correct? And I'm trying to be funny because this is a, such a serious subject. You go, man... I'm worried about myself, or I'm worried about that person I love. God can meet your needs. Now, here's the question of the hour. How does God meet our needs? How does he do it? Number one, supernaturally. This is the the way we all want it to happen. We want to have a financial need, and we go to the mailbox, and there's $1,000 in there with no explanation. And it's in cash, so the IRS can't find out. Or we're praying for a girlfriend or boyfriend, and today we go home and there's just somebody standing at our door. Hey, can you tell me how to get to First Baptist Church? We hear their pastor's awesome. And you go, I just left there, and he is, and he'll marry us today. (laughs) For a small fee, I will. Uh, This is what we're looking for, and God can do it. God can do it. God can heal. God God can work in your life. And in my life, and supernaturally just fill those holes in our heart or fill those needs. God can. I love Psalms 50, verse 1. Listen to what it says about God. Verse 10, I'm sorry. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills I own. Think about this. If you're a Christian, you can literally say, my daddy owns cattle on a thousand hills. Is that not awesome? 
And go back to Psalms 24.1. I love Psalms 24.1. David says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and those who dwell in it. Listen, if God owns cattle on a thousand hill, if God owns the earth and everything in it, does God got the depth to meet your needs? Does he? Yes, he absolutely does. But I want to show you the cool thing that this passage teaches that I think I've missed for many years. Here's the second way God meets our needs. God meets our needs as we pour ourselves out to him and to others. I've, I've never preached this, this passage here, but I preached it at other churches, and I kind of skipped over the context in the past. The context here is huge. You're going, I want God to meet my needs financially. I want God to meet my needs psychologically or relationally or socially. I want my heart to be better. What do I need to do? Pour yourself out to God and to others, and God pours back into you. Look in verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share in my troubles. Remember, Paul's... In Rome, house arrest. Now listen, prison and, and prison life then was so much different than it is today. Not that it's good today, but back then, basically, if you got thrown in a dungeon or you got house arrest, the, the, the government didn't provide you anything. You're in a dungeon, they may give you a bucket to use the bathroom in and maybe a little water. If you're going to have food, you're going to have to steal it, beg, or someone's going to have to bring you food. If you're going to have clothes, someone's going to have to bring you clothes. If you need medicinal help, someone's going to have to bring you medicine. The government's not going to provide that. Paul's under house arrest. Somebody had to pay for that house. Somebody had to provide that house. Somebody had to provide money for him. And Paul's saying, listen, you guys, you guys met my needs. Here I am. I am help. Paul's helpless. He's helpless in a thousand ways. And he's saying, you guys stepped in and met my needs. Look in verse 15. And you Philippians know yourself that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving. He's using some accounting terms here. Uh, basically, I've taken it in. I'm getting a credit, and I'm debiting it back out to you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. The first church probably ever started in Europe was the church in Philippi. That's cool, isn't it? And it's a young church. They're, they're, they're young believers. And, and Paul's saying to them, though, man, how exciting. As I traveled, nobody else helped me, but you helped me. You helped me travel. You helped me minister. You helped me do the things that I was trying to do for the cause of God. Now look in verse 16 and 17. In Thessalonica, you send help. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Now, now guys, that last part in verse 17, here's what he's saying. You guys poured out to me. You guys helped me financially, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally. You guys met my needs, and here's what God did. God sees everything. God's not missing. Listen, when I was growing up, the only thing I thought God saw was the bad things that I did. That's not true. God sees the good things too, and he's saying to these people, he's using accounting terms again, as you poured into me, God saw, and God poured it back into your account. 
As you poured out of your account, God saw God was pouring it back into you. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. You have blessed me to the full. Another accounting term. I'm well supplied having received from Epaphroditus. Say that name ten times as fast as you can. The gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Here's a poor group of people persecuted people in a tough spot themselves and they're pouring out to Paul. They're they're blessing Paul. He talks about a fragrant offering. The Jewish people understood a sacrifice. They understood what it was like in the temple when they offered up sacrifices and some of them were sweet smelling. Some of the fragrance is sweet smelling. And and the pagan people, even the, the, the people who were not Jewish people, understood the idea of a sweet fragrance going up. And he says, listen, this is so cool. He goes, you didn't sacrifice a bull or a a goat on the altar. But when you sacrificed of yourself and your stuff for me, that was a sweet smell that went up to God. That is an offering or a sacrifice that's pleasing to God. That is the context here. Now look in verse 19. And then he says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. Folks, if you're taking notes, that word supply means, it means to fill up. It means to satisfy. It means to fill to the full. It's a picture of the ancient fisherman taking a net and casting the net out into the water and pulling it back in, and it's overflowing with fish. It's overflowing in how full it is. He says, God can supply and fill every need you have in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the catch. This is a conditional passage. You can't pull verse 19 out and claim it for yourself if you don't, one, belong to Christ and if you're not doing what these people were doing. In Christ means that you're a Christian. You can become one today if you're not. It means that you're staying in Christ, remaining in Christ. Listen, many of you today are believers. You're a long way from God. This passage is for people who are in Christ and staying close to Christ. And he says, if you do this, I will meet every need that you have. Now, folks, this gets good. This is good stuff. How many of you think God can meet your needs? How many of you think Bill Gates could meet your financial needs? CNN said in August, Bill Gates was worth $90 billion. Lance, say that out loud. $90 billion. That is a lot of... That's so much money, we can't even put our heads around how much money it is. Here's how much money it is. Let's say Bill Gates came to you, Wesley, and he said, Wesley... Do you think I can meet your financial needs? And Wesley is smart. So he says, well, yes, Mr. Gates, Brother Gates in the Baptist tradition. We believe that you can meet my needs. Here's what, here's what $90 billion could do. If, if, if he could get it in cash and put it in a bank here in Ruston, of course, he could give you $1 million a day for the next 246 and a half years. How many of you could live off one meal a day? I've calculated that $700,000 going into the tithe every week. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? <laughs> that's, how pre- that's how we think. Oh, they, got, they made a $10 million. That's $1 million. Wow, that's great. Wesley, he would meet your needs, your kids' needs, your grandkids' needs, and your great-great-grand, right? 
for, for, the, for the next 246 years, if you can't live off a million a day, you're a moron. <laughs> you were unhelpable, if that's a word. Folks, God makes Bill Gates look like a pauper. Did you know the Bible says the, the heaven, the, the streets are paved with what? Gold. Now, there's two reasons. One is heaven is going to be such a spectacular place, we just can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Here's the second thing. I think it's almost a little bit God reminds us what we value the most is pavement in heaven. Is that not awesome? Is that not awesome? So here's what I want to encourage you with. God has got what it takes to meet your needs. Not your wants, not your greeds. He's not interested in that, but meet your needs. What God says to you and me, you belong to me. You pour yourself out the rest of your life to me and to other people, and I will pour back into you. Sound like a good deal? Let's look at it financial. This isn't a tithing sermon. Don't get nervous and head for the door. You're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, Become one. If you're not, you should give 10% to your church, wherever you go to church. Well, I can't do that. I can't afford to do that. You can't afford not to do that. The Bible tells us that, that if we get, you get money properly, you save it, you, you, you invest it, you pay your bills, and you, get, you give to your church. If that's all you can do, that's great. If you can give to other causes, you can give to life choices, to grambling, to tech, to our schools around here, to missionaries, that's awesome. But God says, listen, you want me to meet your financial needs? You pour your money into him and to his causes. Many of us go, man, I just don't have any friends. I don't have a friend. I don't have a friend. Mama used to say, to have a friend, what? Be a friend. To have a friend, you can't be a jerk. To have a friend, you can't be self-centered, self-focused. It's, oh, I don't have any friends. And then you pursue people and you drive them crazy because you're so possessive and weirdo-ish about it. Listen, man, pour yourself into people. Love people. Be a friend to people. That's what this passage is teaching. God meets your psychological and relational needs as you meet the needs of other people. Man, this is such important and wonderful stuff. You go, man, I, I, I'm concerned about my, my psychological well-being. See a doctor. God uses people. See counselors. Absolutely. But, man, get the, get the focus off you and start pouring yourself into God and to other people. Some of you are going, well, man, I, I had a relationship and it went bad and I don't know if I'll ever recover or I've got friends that aren't my friends anymore and that hurts and those things absolutely do hurt. But you can't camp out there. You've got to get up and you've got to get going and you've got to pour yourself and pour your life into the causes of God and the causes of others. And that's how God reciprocates it. Folks, this is called a paradox. See, a paradox doesn't make sense. A paradox is something, it, it's kind of a contradiction. Not like it's possibly it could be true, but it just doesn't make sense. This is a paradox. It's true. The more we pour of ourselves out to God and his causes and to others, the more God pours back in. I love what I heard a guy say years ago. He said he didn't understand how it works. He shovels it out and God shovels it back. God just has a lot bigger shovel than he has. Isn't that good? You can't outgive God. I and mean, we're not talking about money. We're talking about how you deal with people, how you deal with life, how you serve. 
He said, I will meet all your needs. It wasn't people standing on the sidelines, criticized, complaining, finding everything wrong. It was people who didn't have anything, who were poor and persecuted, who jumped in there and gave the best of everything they had. And it was to those people that he looked at and he said, I can and I will meet every need that you have. That's good stuff. I'm going to paraphrase something a missionary named Hudson Taylor said. Hudson Taylor used this quote to talk about ministry and, and missions, but I'm going to use it to talk about you because this is absolutely true. When we make a choice to do life God's way for God's glory, we will never lack God's supplies. Void in your heart. Void in your billfold. A lot of uncertainty. If I will do life God's way, for God's glory, either God's a liar, and he's not, I'll never lack God's supplies. Let's pray. If you're a Christian, it's a lot to chew on, but you need to ask yourself, are you in the game? Are you pouring yourself out to God and others? And if not, will you get in the game? That's the key. If you're not a Christian, you're unsure if you're one, and you're ready today to give your life to Christ, this is the, the foundation of it all. Pray with me if you're ready and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand in a second. And when we do, you've got to respond. You've got to respond if you want God to act. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus into your heart. I want to ask you to do something. I know it's hard, but when we stand, come today. Talk to one of the ministers. Let us help you with that decision. You're just terrified of doing that? Catch me or one of our ministers after church. Cross the line with Christ today. Maybe you're ready to join the church. We would love for you to. You can do that after church. Or you can come in a moment and and let one of us help you do that. Folks, this is that reciprocalness. You need a church to pour your life into. And a church that gives a church a chance to pour back into your life. Let us do that for you. You come and join us today. You're a Christian. Some of you are, are hitting home run here. That's awesome. Keep it up. Some of us aren't. Some of us, the problem is we're just not where we need to be with Jesus and we need to come back to him. Some of us, we just need to really refocus and sell ourselves out to God and to others. Maybe where you're standing, maybe at the altar, maybe you've got some need you want to to pray with a minister about. Man, let's do what we need to do so God will do what he and only he can do. Let's stand. You come now as we sing.